Well, welcome back to the Gary Wilkerson podcast. And we're grateful that you came to join us again this week. And as always, if you're enjoying this podcast, tell your friends about it. And if you have questions, please send them in. And uh, Gary would be happy to uh, take a look at those and if fitting for our program, uh, mention them on the podcast uh, or answer them directly. So we appreciate your involvement. And uh, we'd like to again talk to you about a very important topic, and that being the attributes of God. And uh, Gary, of late, I guess we've been talking about uh, some attributes that some people might call unpopular, uh, justice, wrath, judgment. Uh, but today we're going to kind of turn a corner and look at something that would not fall into that category, and that is the goodness of God. Uh, is goodness different than that first group we've been talking about? It certainly affects us in a different way, the goodness of God. And yet I think it's important as we start here to make sure we understand that the the we don't uh, classify certain attributes as good and certain attributes as bad um, or certain attributes as kind and other attributes as harsh. Um, the, the goodness of God is, is, is what makes his justice important. It's what makes his judgment important. It's what, it, what's, it's what unleashes his holiness to be functioning in a way that affects our life in, in, in a way that transforms us. It's all, it's all wrapped up in the goodness of God. So I think the first thing we have to do is, when we look at the goodness of God is not almost kind of like, you know, wipe our brow and say, I'm glad Gary's finally done talking about all that holiness and justice and wrath and judgment and power of God. You know, I'm glad we're talking about the kinder, softer attributes of God. We have to be careful with that because uh, God, there's another uh, word. I, I don't like to use it a lot because it's one of those big theological words that people use to make themselves feel like they're smart. And I, but it's the aseity of God. And it's probably the best way to describe that is that all, all of all of God's, uh, it's just the core of who he is. It's not like he's split into different things. I'm a little bit of wrath and I'm a little bit of mercy and I'm a little bit of judgment and I'm a little bit of goodness. It's all wrapped up in one thing that God uh, is. So every attribute, let's say power, for instance, is attached to his goodness. And if it wasn't, we would be in trouble. It'd be like a Zeus type feature, uh, uh, character in heaven shooting thunderbolts at us. Uh, power alone without it being attached to goodness uh, can be corrupted. Uh, even mercy, it can be so uh, giving and other centered that it, if it's not good, it can, it could do damage. You, you could be merciful in a way that uh, damages things and people, for instance, in our missions department, uh, we read a book uh, called when helping hurts. Well, that's a strange title, isn't it? How can helping hurt? Well, if it's, if it's not good, if it's not done, justly if it's not just and so all these attributes are wrapped up into the simplicity of god that he is one in, in all of his character and all of his his nature and so uh the, the the goodness of god is just as powerful as the judgment of god uh, it's just as muscular it's just as it's 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 strong it's 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 a strong tower and uh, you know so I, I want us to be careful not to look at goodness as like well, finally, we're talking about something nice. It's everything about God is nice. So, so we're happy that he's a God who judges, uh, because if he didn't, evil would be uh, pronounced in greater measures across the earth. All, all of this is the goodness of God. A little bit earlier, you said you talked about the softer uh, attributes. Uh, some might even call it weak uh, compared to judgment, justice, and wrath. Is that a correct understanding of it? It, it's not correct to see it as weak. It's it's some do, and I think particularly in certain movements, you you have whole denominations or whole movements 
that take certain attributes of God and build their whole doctrine around that, the kindness, the mercy, the love of God. And, and so it's a very kind and loving and warm place. Uh, but oftentimes they uh, wink at sin and dismiss uh, conflict, uh, not getting involved in some of the things of the justice of God. And so I think, I think it's, it's important to see that uh, the, the whole counsel of God is so uh, essential to us as Christians uh, that, that, that whatever attribute of God we uh, have less of an inkling towards is going to reflect a weakness in our own heart. And, and so if I only have mercy and kindness and goodness of God, I, I might not speak truth, even though being love. I might not be strong and courageous and be filled with power. And the opposite is true, too. You have other movements that uh, there's whole denominations that are considered a holiness movement uh, or a holiness preacher. And that's usually we think they're talking about uh, preaching against sin and hellfire and brimstone and judgment of God. Um, and, and so some people think that, well, that, that one side, the holiness side, they're strong and they're powerful and they're, you know, they, they have an intensity and a fervency and the love side is, doesn't, well, that's not true. It's, it's when you combine all these together that you truly have the love, the power, the, the goodness of God wrapped up into one thing that brings the complete picture, the, um, the wholeness of God. First uh, Thessalonians 5.23 says that you might become whole, W-H-O-L-E, and holy, H-O-L-Y. Um, you can't become holy, H-O-L-Y, without the whole W-H-O-L-E, N-E-S-S, the wholeness of God. And we need the, the complete picture of God or we will be limited in our denomination, limited in our church, limited in our preaching, limited in our mission, and limited in our own personal devotional life our intimacy with Jesus is greatly impacted by this. So I know it's not soft. It's, it's, it's profound. It's powerful. I like to call it the, the muscular goodness of God. It's a strength. It's not, um, it's not a, an attribute. He goes like, well, I better try to be good to people or I'll get a bad reputation. No, it's, it's part of his strength and his power. And you can't go to church too many Sundays without hearing a preacher talk about the goodness of God. And I imagine there are a lot of ways they talk about it, but on the whole, do you think they've done a, a good job of representing the goodness of God, or have they, have they not gotten it right? I do believe there's more of a sense of the goodness of God being wrapped up in his gifts rather than as, as, as they it's almost a cliche, but it's a, it's a good one, uh, you know, to, to seek the, the giver of the gifts, not just the gifts. And oftentimes goodness is wrapped up in this picture of uh, the goodness of God will be um, the genie in the bottle, the, the magic lantern that gives you three wishes that you can accomplish your greatest purposes, your destiny will be found, come to church and tithe and uh, confess the way we do. It, it's called the word of faith or the prosperity movement. And I, I believe they've sort of uh, hoodwinked and kidnapped the goodness of God and, and packaged it in a way that is very American in the sense of it's, it's, the, it's, for, it's for my benefit. What, what will God do for me? Uh, so, so he's good. So, so when I think of that, I think, well, who wouldn't come to church or who wouldn't pray a, a prayer to receive Christ if, if it's packaged in a way that says he, he's so good that if you'll just pray this little prayer and come to church and tithe, read your Bible a little bit, then you're going to have the perfect you know, wife or husband. Children will be a 4.0. Uh, headed to Ivy League colleges, you're going to be in the best house on the block, you'll drive the nicest cars, and, and that's seen as goodness. And, and I don't adhere to that at all. The, the goodness of God oftentimes 
is more wrapped up in, in, in suffering and in pain and sorrow. Not always, but, but, it, but it can be. And if we deny that, then we're, we, we are limited in our understanding of the goodness of God, uh, that, that ultimate, his ultimate goodness is, is him, not the things that we want him to do for us. So if, if, if the, you know, the scripture says, if, uh, if a child asks his father for uh, bread and he gives him a stone, uh, would that be good? Or if he asks for uh, a fish and he gives him a scorpion, would that be good? Uh, the, that's, the, the, the question there is, is about the goodness of the father. Well, you could almost reverse that thing. And it says, if, if a child asks for a scorpion and the father give it to him, would that be good? Or if the father, if the child asked for a rock and, and when he was hungry and the father gave him a rock instead of bread. So some of the things we ask for are more like rock and scorpion uh, because they're, uh, James calls it heaping them upon our own lusts. And a good father is not going to do that. Uh, a good father is not going to continue to give, dole out hundreds of dollars to a, to a son who misuses those funds. He will discipline that son, bring correction, withhold things. So the goodness of God is not just the things he gives, but sometimes it's the things he withholds. And I believe there's a lot of preaching in America and a lot of churches built around this idea of uh, prosperity, uh, the, the name it, claim it, the word of faith that whatever I confess out of my mouth, God in his goodness is required to give me that thing that I have spoken into existence. Uh, it's, it's the idea of, uh, you know, they, they love that scripture, you know, ye are gods. Uh, and so the idea we have the same creative force that God has, well, then we're not dependent on the goodness of God. And, and again, remember we said God's goodness is, is linked to every other attribute. So his goodness is linked to his wisdom. And so in his wisdom, he, he may not give us what we think we want or need. Uh, and, but in reality, he's giving us that which is truly good. All that I'm saying here uh, today has by no means do I mean to diminish the joy of his goodness or the delight of his goodness or the, uh, the, the preciousness of and the kindness that these things are bring to us. But at the same time, uh, we, we do, I think there is a, a tremendously uh, misdirected, misguided understanding of, of the goodness of God. And it's wrapped up in this American dream. It's wrapped up in the, the, you can do it, whatever you want, you can accomplish all that. And that's uh, and then it misses the true. When you, when you get the, counterfeit the problem is you miss the good you get a hundred dollar counterfeit bill you think you've got something good in your wallet but you don't uh, and you may not actually go put the actual hundred dollars in your wallet and so you're you're missing the good uh, by accepting that which is not truly the goodness of god what would you uh recommend to christians because i would imagine every christian who's ever gone through some difficult times will say has said to God at one point, boy, you promised to give me good things, and I feel like I got the snake rather than the good thing. Well, what, what can a Christian do to get out of that mindset that, as you pointed out, is, is based on our lusts? What do you do? Number one is to understand that's where your heart is right now. And the goodness of God allows us to, to recognize that. Almost every encounter that people had with God recorded in the New Testament is, is first of all, an encounter of our own unworthiness. Oh, I'm like this. Oh, Peter, I'm a sinner. Isaiah, even though he's a preacher, a prophet, says, I am undone, woe is me. I'm an unclean man with unclean lips. And so the first thing I think that, that, that we do when we recognize we are using God rather than worshiping God, the first thing to do is to recognize that in his presence, we come in and we confess that to the Lord. 
you know, and, and that's, that's another attribute, uh, that's another aspect of the goodness of God. You know, it says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance, that word kindness could be very clearly linked to his goodness. And it's his goodness that leads us to repentance. And that repentance is not, um, it's interesting because, you know, repentance would maybe be more categorized in that. You remember we were, just a few minutes ago, we were talking about two different camps, the, the holiness. Well, sometimes we, we plant, you know, repentance in that kind of camp. And the goodness people are sort of like, you're nice, just change your mind a little bit and try a little bit harder. Well, it's interesting that the Holy Spirit brings those two things together and says, it's repentance and goodness are married together. And it, it's, it shows the, how strong goodness is. And so, you know, so number one is, is get in the presence of God and, and uh, realize uh, the condition of your own heart, the selfishness of it, the, the, the greed of it. I, I would probably recommend number two is that um, open your eyes to scripture in, in a new way. Uh, the, the Bible is not primarily a book about us. It is primarily a book about God. And if you don't have that first encounter with God where you come like Peter and Isaiah, as I said, and have that, woe is me, I am undone, you're going to tend to read the Bible in, in the light of what can this do for me? How does this benefit me? How does this bless me? And there's a lot of benefit and blessing in Scripture for us. I don't diminish that to any degree but it's not primarily a book about that. It's about God. And so we begin to read, I'm here to serve him. I'm here to love him. I'm here to honor him. I'm here to worship him. I'm here to adore him. I'm, I'm here to be obedient to him. I'm here to, to follow his, his, his voice, whatever he says. So, so you start with recognition. Number two, you go to the word with, with that prayerfully with a new lens and saying, God, I want to read. And then you begin to change your course. That word repentance is the change of direction. So you change your course and say, okay, I have been living for me, but, but now I'm going to do that. Um, there's a real interesting story in, in, um, in Mark chapter 10, and, and it really deals with the goodness uh, of God. And it's the, the story of the, uh, some people call the rich young ruler or the rich young man. In, in Mark 10, 17, it, it, this, this young man comes to him and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit <clears throat> eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And so the, it almost begins to sound like God, Jesus is saying here, don't call me good uh, because only God is good. So only call God good. It almost sounds like Jesus is saying, I'm not God. But what he's saying to this rich young ruler is, you're calling me good, but no one is good except God. So are you calling me God? Do you, do you see me as God? This, is, this has profound implications in our faith. If we, re, if we read the scripture through this lens, we, can, we, we understand we're coming like this. Many of us are coming like this rich young ruler, um, good teacher. Uh, you're, you're a good teacher. It says he knelt before him. Um, there, there's something different about this young man than a lot of the Pharisees who came to Jesus. They, they, they often came to try to trick him or trap him or accuse him catch him off guard than they ever could. But this, this young man bows down and he calls him good. And then, and then when Jesus says, uh, you know, follow the commands, and he says, I've done that since childhood. And, and so, so he has this sense of, uh, uh, he's very concerned about being good. Uh, he, 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 he is very courteous to Jesus, unlike others. Uh, he's interested in eternal things, but the only problem is he's eternally lost. All that, all that thought of goodness doesn't save him. 
And it's the goodness of God. It's not our goodness. And so we begin to see as we read scripture that, that it's about the goodness of God. It's, it's not just us trying to be morally good, uh, trying to do what is good. Uh, the goodness of God is so, as I call it, muscular, so powerful because we begin to see an attribute of God that or tells us that there's none good. Um, Paul in Romans echoes this sentiment. He says, there's none righteous, no, not one. None do good, not, not any, do any do do any good thing. <clears throat> and so there's not a goodness in ourselves. It is always a goodness that comes from God. And that, that's why it's important to have a transition from a me mentality in the gospel to a God-centric, uh, theocentric understanding of the gospel so that when we read scripture, we, we come like, okay, God, you're the only one that's good. And it's interesting that this, this, this uh, Jesus speaks to that man. This, this, you know, there's only one that's good, and it's God. So how important is this attribute of the goodness of God? Well, if only one entity in the whole universe has it, well, we better pay attention to it. Um, I'm not good. You're not good. Uh, Billy Graham was not good. Uh, you know, Mother Teresa was not good, according to what Jesus is saying. None are good except God. That comes from his attribute of goodness. Now, everything else that is good has a, a sprinkling of God's goodness upon it, a dewdrop, if you will, of his goodness, a refreshing of, but, but everything that is good comes from uh, the goodness of God. It, it, take the goodness of God away from it, and it is no longer good. It, it's not good in itself. It's good in its connection to the goodness of God. That's a long answer, uh, but it's, it's these several steps that bring us to, to a place of uh, seeing how vital and important the goodness of God is. It's not just some secondary attribute that makes us feel good or nice. It is actually a, a divine power from heaven that transforms our lives. You pointed out the uh, great divide that exists between us and God with this attribute, only God is good. Uh, we can't be good in that way, but can we use God's goodness as a model for our own behavior? Man, I love that question. I, I hadn't really thought that through, but but it, it's it's intriguing. The idea of modeling, I think, is is good. Um, you know, Paul even said that about his own life: "Follow me as I follow Christ." So he's seeing Christ as a model, and then he's asking himself to be a model. But but there's a, a there's a uh, our goodness is always derived, uh, so that makes it dependent. We are dependent on God. So, so it's not a model in the sense of God's doing something good now, so let me try to do something good. Uh, God is charitable, so I will do charitable deeds. If that was the case, then the Pharisees were just as good or holy as, as, as others, but uh, they, they were not, it was not a derived holiness or a derived goodness. It was a, a human, humanly manufactured. So I'd say if you're modeling um, the attribute of God's goodness, as, as a human characteristic in the sense of imitation. Uh, and I, and I, I always liken it to, uh, you know, I, I don't think imitation of God is as important as habitation of God, that he lives within us. And then in, in, in him, we live in him too. In him, we live and move and breathe and have our being. And so it's more a matter of being in him. And then those, the goodness of God is placed upon us. It's, it's similar to his righteousness. It's imputed to us. Uh, it's not our own righteousness. I, I don't all of a sudden become equally as righteous as a God, and now there's two entities that are righteous. 
since God put his righteousness in me, now he's righteous and I'm righteous. No, it's, it's a dependent righteousness. It's imputed. So it's still him and I'm still dependent. Same with goodness. It's the goodness of God that's imputed in me, but it's not my own goodness. It's not my own, uh, it's not my own kindness. If that were the case, it, it leads to pride, which is the opposite of goodness. You can't be haughty and prideful and arrogant and still the deeds that you're doing be good. Doesn't mean there's not good deeds. James speaks very clearly of, of, of you know, the, the works of faith. Uh, but, but all of those works of faith are derivative of the goodness of God being a part of his uh, gift to us. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.